please do not be a spectator, especially in prayer. Because you will only, if you're just a spectator, then you're going to get out of this what you get out of watching anything else on television. But we need you to be engaged. And the wonderful thing about prayer is there's no distance in the Spirit. So wherever you are, you can join together. Now, it's easier to do if you're here. But if you're not comfortable coming yet, I understand. We'd rather have you engaged online. And those of you that are here, I'm very grateful that you are here. Because the more of us that are here, the more power that we feel, feel in the room. I want to talk to you just a little bit about prayer, why it's so critical. And, and, and I mean, we all know we're supposed to pray. But I think one of the reasons we struggle with prayer, at least I have struggled with prayer as a Christian for, for on and off in my life, is, is it's often seemed like it's, it's a job. It's something I know we're supposed to do, and it's something that I've been very faithful to do. But, but where's the joy in it? Where's the life in it? And, 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 and when we're not experiencing that, we're not only cheating ourselves, we're cheating God, because prayer is God's idea. Prayer is communing, communicating with, with God. And so I just want to talk to you about some practical things about prayer and how to learn to do it. It's a skill that you develop and you don't develop it overnight. Some of you, it's very easy to slip into, just as worship and praise is easy to slip into. And for some, it's very difficult. It's, it's work. It's harder to do. And, and so I want to talk a little bit about that, how to develop that, and why it is so, so critical. To do that, I want to just talk a little bit about what prayer really is. And we all know this. It's communicating with God. But God is not a mind. I mean, He can read your mind. Uh, he can understand your thoughts. But true communion with God is not mind to mind. Those of you that are old enough to remember uh, the original Star Trek with Dr. Spock, and I was not a Trekkie. I had a brother who was a Trekkie. But, but he had this mind meld he did where he could transfer something from one mind to the other, kind of like we can do with our phones and Apple devices where you can take files and things and just literally drop them from one phone into another. And it doesn't work that way with God. Jesus gives us some insight in John chapter 4 because Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And the woman at the well, is he's approached this woman, as we've talked about this many times before, She's a Samaritan woman, so Jesus really had no business speaking to her in terms of the custom of their day on both the Samaritans and from the Jewish Jews' point of view. But Jesus didn't do things according to customs. He did things according to his Father's will. And God's will and God's heart crosses, almost, crosses every boundary to reach individual souls and individual lives. So Jesus entered this conversation with her, and his goal ultimately is to open her heart up to receive him into her life for who he is, the Christ, the Messiah, and as her Savior. And so he makes the promise to her, if you knew who I was, who was to talk to you, you would ask of him and he'd give you living water through which you would never search. And her mind is thinking in natural terms. This is important, what we're going to discuss. So here she is talking with God in the flesh, the Son of God, one-on-one, face-to-face, I don't know how far, whether they were socially distancing or not, but he, she was looking into the face of God and she didn't know it. And that's important because God's here tonight. God's here 
in you. He's here in our midst because Jesus said where two or more of us are gathered together, I am there in your midst. So we have God's Word to tell us that He's here tonight. But most likely the majority of us don't feel His presence. I'm I'm virtually certain that none of us are physically seeing Him. We talked Sunday a little bit about the Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, we used to know Christ according to the flesh. In other words, we used to interact with Him the same way you and I interact with one another. We may run into somebody at Starbucks or in the mall or on the street somewhere and say, hey, how are you? And we just talk back and forth, obviously with social distancing and with maybe a mask on. But we recognize one another according to the flesh and we're communicating with one another but we're communicating from our mind and our emotions with one another. That's soul to soul. But Paul's telling the Corinthians, look, that's how we knew Jesus. We recognized Him according to the flesh. We could talk to Him and relate to Him according to the flesh, just like we do everybody else. But we don't know Him that way anymore. We know Him a different way. And Jesus was trying to bring this woman, or he was bringing this woman from a communication with him on a carnal, physical, natural, soulish level to the level that really counts and where there's real communion and fellowship with God. That's his goal aside from introducing her to himself. And even that, he wants to introduce her to him not just as a person, but who he really is. So they get involved in this discussion. She says, well, sir, give this to me. And he says to her, go call your husband. Well, he obviously had a reason behind that because he knew she wasn't married. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You don't have a husband now. You've had five, and the man you're living with now, you're not married to. And now she realizes she's not just talking to a Jewish male. And she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And now to change the subject, at least I believe that's what she's doing, she talks about worship. And she says, well, you Jews say that in Jerusalem we're supposed to worship, and and we Samaritans say on this mountain we're supposed to worship. Where's the right place to worship? So she's still thinking in natural, human, soulish terms. Where is the place where I go to commune with God? You folks say it's in Jerusalem, at the temple. Our people say it's here in Samaria. Who's right? And Jesus says, neither. Because he's going to explain to them that true worship is not done in a physical place with your physical body. He said, he said, for the Father's longs for those, for true worship is to worship in spirit and in truth. Why? He says, because God is a spirit. Now, he has a body, but it's not a human body like our human body. He is a prime, he is a spirit being. You are a spirit being on the inside of you, but you also, that spirit lives in this physical house we call our body, and it operates by this physical soul, which is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. But the key part of you, the part of you that connects with God directly is your spirit because when you were born again, that's the part of you that was reborn. That's the part of you that died, your old man died, and this is the part of you that's the new 
creation. And we've talked about this many times from this pulpit. I have and my predecessors have and other people that have come in to speak to us have. But that becomes very important when it comes to prayer. Now, Jesus is talking about worshiping, but he's talking, worship is communing and communicating with God. It's expressing our adoration and love back to Him in this spirit-to-spirit connection where real life transfers. God is absolute life. When Moses was on the mountain with Him for 40 days, he didn't have to eat and he didn't have to drink a drop of water or anything else. And when he came down off of that mountain, his face glowed with the glory of God because he had been in the physical presence of absolute life itself. And so when you have been in the presence of God, when you've connected with Him, it has an effect on you. His peace gets transferred to you. His hope gets transferred to you. His joy gets transferred. And only maybe a little bit, but even a little bit of His peace, a little bit of His joy, a little bit of His life will carry you through whatever it is you're going to face in that day. But that doesn't come from mind to mind. That doesn't come from hearing an audible voice. That comes by connecting with Him Spirit to spirit. So Jesus said the only true worship is spirit to spirit with God. Well, in the same way, the only true connection with God in prayer is spirit. The Bible talks about praying in the spirit. And we've often been taught that means praying in tongues. And I believe it does to an extent. But I don't believe that's all of it. Because you can you, praying in the spirit means praying out of your spirit connected to God's spirit. And when you make that connection, you know it. When you've made that connection, then life takes place and you know there's a confidence that He's heard you, that He's heard your prayers. Now, how do we get to that? Some of you may have experienced that. Some of you may experience that on a regular basis. Some of you may never have experienced. Some of you may have no concept what I'm talking about. So I want to break down there. If you are, if you are a Christian... If you are in Christ, the Bible is very clear. God dwells in you right now by His Spirit. Your spirit was reborn and God's Spirit came in you to make you alive and He stayed in you. He's the phone connection. He's the connection between your spirit and God's Spirit. That's why there's no distance in the Spirit. But here's the problem. Very few of us are really skilled at getting in touch with our spirit, and then doing something out of that spirit. And there are a number of things that interfere and that hold us back. There are several things that do. I've never, I didn't have any notes. I'm just talking out of my spirit right now. I think the first thing that holds us back is a lack of confidence. The first thing that holds us back is a lack of confidence because we know ourselves. We know if you get up in the morning and your normal prayer time is in the morning, I mean, you may have gone to bed thinking you can walk on water and Jesus was in the room with you, but somehow when you were asleep, you didn't have control of your thinking anymore, and so you didn't have control of your emotions, you may have had dreams you're not aware of, and you wake up and you can wonder what happened during the time that I was asleep. 
because you may wake up in a very different situation. I've had that happen where I was awake in the morning, I had a wonderful prayer time, and I decided just to lay down and, you know, because maybe I was up very early, and I lay down. It happened the other day. I was awake at four, and so I was just communing with God, and finally at some time, I don't know, like six o'clock, I prayed, I said, I'm going to lay down again, and I went back to sleep for a little while. When I woke up, I didn't feel that closeness with Him because my mind and my emotions had begun to work, so my soul was beginning to operate more than I was conscious of my spirit. So what happens is, when you go to pray in your prayer time, then what happens is, is, is it, unless you have developed a spiritual sensitivity, you're more aware of yourself, that you've had thoughts you shouldn't have had, maybe you know you still have attitudes you didn't, shouldn't have, you just, somehow we know we fall short. And we know God's a holy God. And although most of us have been around long enough to understand, I can come into the presence of God, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Most of us know the scriptures, but the question is, do you really believe it? And the proof of whether you really believe it is how confident are you of coming in to God's presence. Especially how confident are you when you know that you may not have done everything you should have done that day or the day before. So let me tell you something that's really changed my confidence in prayer. It's, it's a process that the Bible talks about renewing your mind. We're transformed by the renewing of your mind. I read something a year or so ago in a book I've referred to by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he talks about your, a pure heart before God. And he says, a pure heart is a heart that no longer condemns itself before God nor applauds itself before God because that heart recognizes that I have been joined to Christ. So whatever Christ is, I am. If you're a Christian, you are in Christ. So you have been joined to Him, which means His righteousness is now your righteousness and your unrighteousness has been absorbed in His righteousness. I'm not talking about how you act. I'm not talking about the fact that you've never made a mistake and you've never blown it. But who you are in essence, you are in Christ. So whatever He is, you are. And as that began to get planted in my mind, and so when I begin my prayer time, I go over this out loud with God and with Jesus. I'm setting myself today. I come into your presence I'm resting my heart, Jesus, not just in your finished work, but in my union with you. So whatever I am, you are. And whatever you are, I am. And that means whatever you are in God's eyes, I am in God's eyes. Now you first start doing that, your mind may balk at you. But this is what it takes to renew your mind, because it's what God's Word says. He who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became your sin. That you and I might be made the righteousness of God because we're in Christ Jesus. Most of us know the scripture, but it's only as you renew your mind to that that it becomes a reality to you. So now I end up my 
initial time by saying, Father, I'm coming into your presence with the same confidence that you're listening to me right now, the same confidence that you do what I ask you to do, that Jesus had when he came to you while he was on this earth. Because in him, I am just as much in him as he is in him, in your sight and in your presence. And now I find as I... Now, at first, you may not feel different. But if you keep doing this, you'll begin to develop a confidence because it's God's Word and it's God's truth. And as you begin to say that out loud, in fact, whether you're in your, on your knees in prayer or you're in bed, when you get up in the morning and whenever you put your face in front of that mirror, say that to yourself. Right now, that person I'm looking at is right now just as righteous in God's eyes as Jesus is. Not because I feel it, not because I've necessarily acted that way, but because God said that's what He's done. And again, at first you may balk at it, but here's what's so critical about it. As you begin to do that, you will find a confidence that God is hearing you, a confidence that God is going to listen to you and to do what you ask Him to do. And that confidence will begin to develop in here. And that's when you're beginning to commune with Him. He's not holding back. We hold back out of lack of confidence. And so that will help you with that step of confidence. But again, it's, it, it takes time and it takes an effort. And then what you realize is what Jesus said. You'll come to the place that Jesus was in John chapter 11, right before he called Lazarus out of the tomb when he'd been in it dead four days. And before he did it, he turned to the Father and he says, Father, I'm going to say this out loud so that they know you did this and not me. Because I know you always hear me when I pray. So ask yourself this question. Do you have that confidence that you know every time you're praying that God's listening to you and that you have the request? Because God wants you to have that kind of confidence because it will develop a much more intimate relationship with Him. So one of the things that holds us back in our confidence, in our, in our communion with God, is just a lack of confidence that He's hearing us because we're looking at ourselves instead of Jesus who we've been placed in. The second thing is our flesh. Because most of us are still so dominated by our flesh. Our flesh is talking to us all the time. And if you don't believe it, fast. I decided to fast this morning. Because I hadn't done it in a while. And all of a sudden my flesh that I didn't realize was talking to me is saying all kinds of things. It feels like I'm going to die. I'm just missing breakfast. <laughs> Which I've done many times without fasting. I just got doing something. But when, I, when I'm fasting, it's like I'm going to die. I have no energy. I need to go back to bed. Oh, but I really, that's my flesh talking to me. Well, your flesh is like a spoiled child. It wants attention all the time. And it doesn't want you, and you're not your flesh. It doesn't want you to be diverted from your talking to and listening to your flesh. So when you focus your heart and your mind on communing with God, your flesh doesn't like that because it's not in control then. And it will begin to, it will begin to try to get your attention. 
I remember years ago when I would get up when I was practicing law, I would, I would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning because I had a busy schedule, I had an hour's drive to work. I'd get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I would go down in our basement, a special place, and I was going to read my Bible and I was going to pray. And, and, and when, I would disturb, when I'd start to wake up, the alarm would go off, my mind would immediately tell me, you're going to die if you get up now. John, you've got a busy day, you're going to be in court, you're going to have all these clients you've got to see. If you don't get another hour's rest, you will not be able to function because you won't be, you're, 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 going to, you're just too sleepy, you will not be able to function. But I grab myself by the collar, get myself up, set myself downstairs with a cup of coffee and with my, with my Bible, and the moment I'm down there to start reading my Bible, when my mind had told me I'm not going to be able to do it because I won't be able to focus, all of a sudden my mind's active on everything else but God's Word and prayer. And I realize my flesh is trying to get attention so that I'm not listening, so I'm doing what it wants me to do, whether it's telling me to go back to sleep or it's what the English call the wool gathering. It's distracting might be all kinds of thoughts. All of those are your flesh. Now, I shared that with you because when you determine to get down and pray, and by getting down I mean just getting inward and focusing, your flesh, until you've trained it, is going to do all kinds of things to distract you. You're going to think of things you need to do. You're going to think of things you need to talk about. You're going to think of having breakfast. You're going to think of all kinds of things to get you off of your knees or wherever it is you're praying. So you have to push through that. You have to recognize what's going on. You have to recognize the, the battle that's going on and, and, and not get discouraged because at first it will feel like nothing's happening. But you're retraining your flesh and you're retraining your spirit to commune with God. And slowly but surely, if you will do that, you will begin to have small breakthroughs and then gradually those will increase. And as you sense yourself really connecting with God, now you'll want to get to that place because it's the most life-giving thing that you can experience. Now, how do you do it? Do you have to kneel? Do you have to bow? Do you have to stand? The answer is whatever works for you. Jesus answered the question, it's not where you pray, it's who you pray to and what you pray out of your spirit. So what I've done is I've found positions or places where I can pull inside and not be distracted by what's going on around me. So sometimes I'll, I'll lay something down on the bedroom floor and I'll just get down on my face and just bury my face in that blanket because I'm not moved by what's going on around me. I've, I've closed the world out. I've closed my, my house out. I've closed whatever's going on around me out. And I'm l- turning inward and I'm trying to focus inside of me as I begin to talk out loud with God. Another thing about that is don't worry what you say, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Because the Bible is very clear in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, chapter 10, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4 is clear too, but chapter 10 says, come boldly to the throne of grace. The word boldly means whatever's on your mind. Don't worry how you say things to God. Don't worry whether you're approaching Him the right way. Don't worry whether you say thou or thee. Don't worry whether you've worded it correctly or not. First of all, He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He wants your heart. He wants you talking to Him and communing with Him out of your heart. 
Well, what do you pray about? Well, I've got certain things I kind of go through as a structure, so I'm not lying down there thinking, what am I going to talk to them about? But talk to them about the issues that are in your heart. That's what you care about. I'm discouraged about something. I don't feel right about this. Be real with Him the way you would be with somebody that you're really close to. Hopefully it's a spouse or some close friend. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Somebody you'd be real with. I don't, I'm, I'm frustrated. I don't understand this. I was working on the message for Sunday, trying to sort some things out. And I said, God, I'm frustrated. I don't see how certain things fit together. So I'm just talking to you about them and putting it back in your hands and expecting you to answer me. And I'm gradually getting an answer. Well, we've taken enough time to do this. I just want to encourage you. And, and lastly, I'll leave you with this. It kind of sums it all up. The only way to learn to pray is to pray. You can read books about it. You can listen to message about it. But it's something you have to develop. It's a skill you have to develop simply by doing it. And if you're sensitive at all, realize you have living inside of you the teacher, the Holy Spirit, who's been put in you to teach you and to lead you into all truth. And if there's anyone, anything He wants you to teach you how to do, it's how to communicate with your Father, God. Now, it's important to go over these things because the effectiveness of when we come together united in prayer is directly a result of how well each of us individually have learned how to commune with God our Father. So we're going to begin now to go through some issues that I want to talk, pray about, and I'm just going to kind of lead you, and I, we may not get through all of these, and then I'm going to stop and give you some time to pray about these things. And what we're looking for, I'm going to start by the, the pattern that we've done for a long time, which is what the Bible tells us to do. It says, first of all, pray for kings and those that are in leadership and authority so that you might live a quiet and peaceful life. It doesn't matter whether we like them or dislike them, agree with them or disagree with them. In fact, the ones you like the least and the ones you disagree with the most need your prayers the most because they need to know that they are not in authority because they put themselves there. So we're going to focus that prayer, first of all, to ask God to give them wisdom and strength and grace because they need that, to open their eyes to recognize the, that the authority that they're operating in is something God has given to them with the responsibility to exercise it for the sake of the people that God cares about, which is everybody. Um, then we're going to pray for the election. We're not going to pray for any parties. We're going to pray for the kinds of things we talked about last Sunday, and we're going to talk about this Sunday, is that God's will is done. The things that are important to God will be people that would, will do the things that are important to God in the, in, the, in, the, in the degree of importance to God are the ones that God will elect. And God's able to, to elect whoever He wants to put into office. And so we're going to pray that. We're going to pray for families that are going through difficult times, especially in this church. We'll pray for the church coming together, for, for d divisions to be broken down, and for the church to, to uh, just do the direction of the church. So let's begin. And then I've got some prayer requests that we will close, we'll close with. Father, we, we spent some time now just trying to encourage ourselves and encourage one another that right now, this moment, your ears are open to all of us here in this room and all of us that are watching 
and praying online together with us. That you are listening to us. That you live in us. And you want to listen from our heart to your heart. And we tell you that we're learning how to do this. Some of us are more experienced and more advanced than us than others, but you want to bring all of us along together. So we ask you to continue to teach us in our private time with you. Encourage us that you do listen to us, that you are hearing us, and that you will answer our prayers, and you are at work to do the things that we've asked you to do. We ask you to help us to become more sensitive and conscious of the spirit man that's in us and less dominated by our flesh and by our mind. And give us the boldness and the strength, Father, to press through the dry times and to press through the discouraging times and encourage us and strengthen us to not quit and to keep at it because the reward of truly connecting with you is literally out of this life and out of this world. And so now, Father, we turn our attention together to what you've told us to pray for. For those that are in leadership and authority, you've established authority. All authority has come from you. And you've decided in your wisdom to allow people to exercise that authority in this land and in other nations. But we're talking to you about this nation. And Father, we the people have chosen those people that are serving in those offices. And Father, whether we like them or don't like them, agree with them or don't agree with them, because they're standing in authority that you have given to them, they need your wisdom and they need your strength and they need your grace. Father, many of these leaders are strong in their personalities They're strong people. They're determined people. They've come through many obstacles to get to the place where they are. But help them to recognize that they're not just dealing with political power. They're not just dealing with governmental power, but they're spiritual forces that are at work and that their authority that you've given to them is to stand and to be strong to help you establish the spiritual principles and truths that you want in this land and for your people. So give them discernment, Father, to open their eyes to recognize that the authority that they stand in has come from you and that they will be accountable and responsible to you for how they exercise that authority. Give them a godly fear, Lord, to surrender their own personal prejudices and their own personal agendas to submit to and be willing to accept yours. Father, those that are not willing to do that, remove them from office and replace them with people that will be willing. And now, Father, we turn our attention to the election that's coming up in a very short few days. And Father, it's a very, very challenging time for many people, for this nation, and even for your church. For many churches are divided and many Christians are divided by their issues that are important to them and the causes that are important to them. And many times, Father, we try to, to wrap our issue in the, clothes, in, the, in, the, in the clothing of our Christianity. And we try to push our agenda and the things that are important. But we need to learn to submit to you.
to submit to what you want us to do. And Father, that's not an easy thing for our flesh to do. So we come together tonight and we're asking you by your Spirit to bring your church to its knees, to be willing to humble ourselves and lay aside our pet projects that may be right, but to open our hearts to hear what you want us to do, to no longer try to talk you in to what we want you to do, but to truly submit and humble ourselves before you for our confidence is that if your people will do that, you will indeed guide us to a place of unity and your results will come about. Father, this cannot come about because of any messages. This cannot come about because of any videos. They may help. But this can only come about because your spirit moves into the hearts of your people and softens the walls and breaks down the barriers and helps us to recognize what you want to do in our hearts. And so we're asking the Holy Spirit to do something that is miraculous, to do something that's beyond man's ability to do, to do something that only He can do. And Father, may this be a precursor, may this be a sign of, of the coming of a great awakening where your church, by an outpouring of your Spirit, is brought to a place of true humility, of true repentance, and of true union, where we lay aside our agendas, we lay aside what we want, and we truly and honestly humble ourselves before you to allow you to work through us. And so, Father, we thank you for this. We're going to take now just a couple of moments as a, as a church right now, Father, to pray individually for the election, to pray individually for our nation. And so we're just going to release you now to do that. We're going to come together and then pray for a few other things before we're dismissed. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Next thing I want to pray for is the church is not a building. It's not a cause. It's a community and a body of people. And this pandemic, as well as all the other things that we've been going through these last six, seven months, have created a great strain on people and relationships. To me, it's made it even more clear how critical it is that we connect with one another and have healthy relationships with one another. 
and, and the, the not being able to meet fully together and whether we're allowed to or not, people afraid to come together and all the other things that have caused us to separate has an effect on all of us as well as the body of Christ. It can weaken us. We have people out there that are struggling right now because they're, they're older and they may not have the technology to be able to tune in like some of you can, or they're not comfortable coming, such as those of you that are here. And they can feel isolated. We have people that have lost loved ones through this and through other situations, and they're lonely, and Satan's primary scheme is to divide us and to isolate us and to separate us. So I want to pray now for people that are hurting, families that are hurting, relationships that are hurting, people that that need others to help grow and to mature that God would strengthen them and provide means so that better means so that we can communicate with one another and help us to use the means that we already have. And, and Verda, I think, was it Verda on Sunday morning in the announcements, made some mention about connecting with each other. And, and we, need to be, we need to be more sensitive to that. So let's come to God and ask Him for His help. Father, right now, you're able to do what we can't do. We may know some people that come to mind. We may be among those people that are struggling right now, Father, because relationships that we've needed or relationships that we've relied on in the past have been strained because we can't see one another or we can't hug one another and touch one another and we can't even be face-to-face in many cases with one another. There are others out there, Father, that are part of this body, part of this community of believers, Lord, that, that are, are not, do not have the technical ability and skill to even be able to tune in online and use the technology that we have, and they're feeling very isolated. And so, Father, we pray tonight that you would bring us together through the means that we have, Lord. Help us to be, as individuals, to be more conscious and sensitive to those people that are around us. As you bring someone, as your spirit brings someone to our remembrance, help us to realize that that is you prompting us to call, text, or whatever it means it may be, just to let somebody know that we're thinking of them because help us to recognize how vital our communion is together. Father, we've just come through generations of where we've taken it for granted that we need one another and we've been relying on so many other things and now that means in some degree is taken away from us or limited and help us to see how desperately we need one another but not just that but then begin to act. Father, for those that are either here tonight watching online or they're not but they're part of this body and they're struggling tonight, they're isolated tonight, they're lonely, they're hurting tonight. You are the God of all comfort and we pray for them tonight Father that you would comfort them that you would encourage them and strengthen them tonight and then put them on someone's heart someone that will reach out to them someone that will contact them and connect them Father so often the busyness of life distracts us from what's truly important to you which is people And it's so tempting sometimes because it calls our attention the the physical and natural issues of life that get into our hearts and become, take away so much of our energy and our focus until sometimes we only think of it late at night and it's 
we're in bed and it's too late. Help us to be more sensitive to your spirit as we begin our day, as we go through our prayer time, even to be intentional enough to make lists. Father, help us to do that and to see what it does for us when we reach out and allow your love to flow to us. And so we pray tonight, Father, for that healing. We come to you tonight, Father, and pray for your church, several areas for your church. Father, we're facing a time right now with this election where it's another opportunity for division and for separation in the church, for people to look at each other and not trust one another and where we're coming from. And only Satan and his plans prospers from that. And so, Father, we're asking you to bring unity and healing to the church. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to to listen to you, first of all, to listen to your word and to set aside our pride, to set aside our own, our own defensiveness to protect ourselves and to be willing to be vulnerable to you, first of all, and allow you to touch our hearts. We have to be willing to set aside our pride, our pride that wants to be right, our pride that wants to hold on to the things that we've always held on to. But we need to do that to allow you in. Father, I believe that we will not have the outpouring of your spirit that's so desperately needed until your church has been willing to do that. And Father, we've talked about it for years, we've prayed about it for years, but now we have right in front of us real live issues of life about which we have a choice to either dig our heels in and not allow you to work or to be willing to be open and allow you to work in our lives and through that to open our hearts so that you can bring about the outpouring of your spirit that you need to do and you long to do in these last days. So Father, begin with us. Begin here at Faith Christian Center. Begin with us that are here tonight online or here in this place. Begin with us in our quiet time, in the middle of the night, whenever it may be, we are giving you permission to talk to us. We're giving you permission to arrest our attention and speak to us about things we've not been willing to hear about in the past. For us to harden our hearts is to harden our hearts to you and to your spirit. And we don't want to do that. So, Father, we trust ourselves to a God who loves us infinitely more than we love ourselves and infinitely more than we love one another. So soften the hearts of your church. Soften our hearts here today and this week and next week as together we face these issues that are in this election for your church. Father, we continue to pray for your church right now. We pray for your leaders, Father, for the pastors of this area, those that, for me, those that I know and those that I don't know. I pray for them, Father. We pray for them tonight. 
because you have entrusted into their care. You have entrusted into their spiritual hands the well-being, the direction, the protection, and the maturing of lives that are so precious to you. They're precious to you. Jesus shed his blood for them, and he loves them as much as he loves us. Not only that, Father, you have invested in this bo- these bodies of believers, in this area, the plan that you have for this part of your country at this particular time in the history of this nation, of this world. And so, Father, we pray for these men and women of God that you will encourage them and strengthen them because they're human beings and they live with their own issues, family issues, maybe health issues, and all kinds of personal issues of their life. And on top of that, it's the care of the church and the well-being of their people. And Father, just as the Apostle Paul learned to turn to you for your grace and your strength, we come together and pray for these other churches, these other pastors, that you would strengthen them, that they would have wisdom as they face the issues, such as this election, as they face the issues, as the things that can divide the church of racism and, and how to handle this pandemic and, and theological issues and differences that have caused division in the church. Father, give them your wisdom. Give them your grace. Give them your strength and your long-suffering and your patience. Father, help them to know how to deal, not deal with, how to, how to minister to people in their church that are struggling with these issues, struggling with the pandemic, that are weary of going through this. Maybe they're struggling with financial issues or struggling with health issues or they've lost loved ones. Whatever it is, give these men and women of God your grace and your wisdom, help them to not become weary and well-doing, Father. And we thank you for that. Father, we ask you for your strength and your grace and your wisdom for the leadership here, for the pastoral staff and the elders and all of the others that are in any form of leadership in this church and everyone that's working and serving in some capacity. Father, help us to not be weary and well-doing. Help us to keep our eyes and our focus on our purpose, and that you are at work here, and that you have put us here for just such a time as this, and regardless of what we face, and regardless of the outcome of this election, that the well-being and the, and the purpose and the future of your church is not determined by who serves in the White House and who controls the Congress, and who controls the Supreme Court. But on the other hand, those institutions are to be influenced and to be affected by your church. And so you would not put us here at such a time as this. You would not place us here unless you were enabling us to be strong and to finish what you put us here to do. Help us to have that same vision. Help our leaders to keep that vision and to be united together in that vision. Help us to set aside those issues that have divided us that are not important to you, that they're only important to us, and to lay them aside and to embrace together those issues 
those matters, those cares and concerns that are your cares and that are your concerns. And we pray, Father, for the church itself, that Christ would be formed in your church. We pray the prayer that Paul prayed over the church at Ephesus, and we pray for Faith Christian Center and for the other churches in this area, that you would strengthen all of us according to the glory, your glory in heaven, that you would strengthen us with ability, with the power and ability of the Holy Spirit, so that Christ might dwell in the hearts of your church by faith, that he may be able to live his life in us and through us, in all the issues that are facing this nation, in all the issues that are facing the church, in all the issues that are facing our families, in all the issues that are facing us personally, that Christ may be able to live His life in us and through us, through that as branches in the vine, He may bear His fruit through us, that hungry, thirsty, lost souls may come and eat of His fruit that's born through His church. Help us to do that. Now, Father, we pray along with Paul that You would open the eyes of our understanding that we would see the breadth and length and height and depth and come to know the love of Christ that passes all understanding so that your church may be filled up with all of your fullness. And Father, as we look at that, it looks absolutely impossible. But Paul goes on to pray, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can think or ask, according to your power that works in us, in the church. Be glory in your church to all generations, forever and ever. Amen and amen. I want to pray in the few moments we have left. We have some individual prayer requests. I just want to remind those of you that are here and those of you that are line, online, if you go to our website, but get that app. It's a very easy thing. The app we have, just go to the App Store and look for Faith Christian Center app on there. And there's a, there's a prayer request. There's a hands praying like this, so you can't miss it. And if you open that up, you can fill out a prayer request. And then those are emailed to us. And then we will pray for those, but we'll also pray for those here. So please do that. If you, we want to use this time also to pray for needs. Now, we have some of the old-fashioned methods here. We've got some of the old prayer cards. And I want to go over some of these. We're going to pray for these generally. And then I'm going to, we'll take a few minutes for you to pray specifically for them. We've got, uh, I've got somebody here, several of them, similar things. Uh, people that are recovering from, somebody's recovering from uh, back and hip surgery that is having ingestion, inge- injections. Somebody that's had a knee replacement is asking for a speedy recovery. Uh, somebody with arthritis that can be healed from the pain. 
Somebody that's getting, having, again, another one with rheumatoid arthritis uh, that needs healing for that and for their blood pressure. And somebody uh, is recovering from another a knee replacement. A lot of joints here tonight uh, that, need, that need healing. So we're going to take a few minutes right now and I'm going to ask you to just join in an agreement with me and, uh, and then we're going to pray for some souls. Father, we just come to you right now and, and we've just named some of these issues. You know all the details that are about them. And Father, your word, your word teaches us that it is your will to heal. Jesus is the healer and you sent your word and you healed us. Jesus never said no to anybody. He, everybody that came to him and asked for healing, he graciously and generously healed them. And he even healed people that didn't ask for it. Father, these people that have filled out these cards, they have come and they have now asked for healing, for, for arthritis in the back and arthritis in the knee and the joints. Father, some that have already had joints replaced so that they can, that they can be free from the pain of those joints. Others with rheumatoid arthritis, Father. And so these people that are experiencing pain in any degree, we come and Jesus spoke to pain. Jesus spoke to limbs. Jesus spoke. And so we come on the authority of the word that we've been given. Jesus said, if we abide in Him, and we do that, and His words abide in us, His words abide in us right now, we can have whatever we want. Jesus said we could speak to a mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea. And as long as we would not doubt in our heart, but believe that what we said would come to pass, we would have what we said. We come into agreement right now. We speak to knees. We speak to backs. We speak to ankles. We speak to any joints right now that are experiencing arthritic pain or any other pain, and we speak to that pain in the name of Jesus, and we command you to leave and to leave that body now in Jesus' name. Neck, shoulders, spine, hips, knees, ankles to be made whole in Jesus' name. Everybody that agreed with that said, Amen, Amen. In the time that's remaining, if, if you're one of these people that sent this in and you've experienced that healing, let us know. Call the office. Let us know. It not only encourages us, but we can report that back. There are several here for souls, for salvation. I'm just going to go through some names. Fernando. I can't read the last name. you got to print so I can read it. This is why online helps. Sheena, Freddie, and Solomon. I may be mispronouncing the name. Joseph the third and Joseph the fourth. Uh, there's a Garrett family and the Hola family. Uh, You've got to do better at writing these or, or do it online. It's easier to read it. Lord, you know who this person is. Yardza and Tori. 
Louis and Rika and Greg and the whole family. Father, somebody cares about these people enough to fill these cards out. And we come into agreement right now for the most important thing that you ever want to do. And that's to save these souls. Father, we can't save anybody, but we can pray. It's the most important thing we can do. And so, Father, we're coming to you now in the name of Jesus. And we're asking you by the Spirit of the living God that you would reach out to these souls in whatever way you know will work best. If you've got to make an angel appear in the middle of the night, because I know how you've done that at times. If you've got to bring someone across their path at just the right way, but somehow they will hear the words they need to hear under the anointing of your Spirit, and it will penetrate their hearts. And so, Father, we're asking you in the name of Jesus to do that. Now, your word also goes on to say that Satan is the one that blinds the eyes of those that do not receive the gospel so that their eyes were blinded, that they do not see the light or the truth of the gospel that's in the, is in the face of Jesus Christ. And so we take the authority that you've given to your church over the demonic forces that are blinding the eyes of these people. And we command you in the name of Jesus to release, be released from your assignment and to open, allow their eyes to be open in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to close with this news item that I saw today. Some of else, others of you may have seen this. And it's this. So much of the news that gets posted now online is just bad news. And sometimes when I open it up, I cringe, but I've got to look at certain things just to know what's going on. And I saw this little article today about a, a woman who had been uh, infected with this virus who was determined to be brain dead back in May, that just in the last few days walked out of a rehab center. So it says, brain dead woman comes back to life. Okay, and I'm thinking, I want to know more about what happened. So I dug into the article, and here's what happened. This woman, had, was, her, her organs were, she had a very bad case of this virus to the point that she was on a respirator and she was on life support. And the hospital was saying, she's going to be a vegetable, you need to pull the plug. But the family wouldn't do that. And, 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 but the reason the family wouldn't do it is their church was praying. They were praying and their church was coming together to pray. Now, they didn't report all the details of how this happened, but when the woman came out of this and came home, she gave the testimony that it was because the family in the church had been praying. The most important thing as Christians we can ever do is to pray. And so often it's the last thing we turn to do. We as a church have got to learn how to come together and pray. And the only way we can do that is by coming together and praying. Trial and error. We'll make mistakes. We'll get in the flesh sometimes. But if we keep coming, the Spirit of God will break through and we will see things happen here 
that we've long dreamed for, but they won't happen unless we come together and pray. So I want to thank those of you that have come. Some of you have been so faithful. I want to thank those of you that have been coming online and have been so faithful. And so I want to end with this. I'm going to, I know everybody that's here tonight, but maybe you're watching...